Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week, me and Miss Boo pick a movie, we talk about it, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it's always fun, at the Film Club. Miss Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing good today, because it's my pick today. It is your pick today. And it's a hell of a pick, it's a great pick, it's a movie that we actually both really enjoy. It is a movie we both enjoy. And today's pick to go with our tribute to cinematic heroes is Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes, the first in our podcast history where we're doing a Marvel film. I also believe it's our first superhero film. I think so, but it feels right to start with Captain America. I mean, he is the first Avenger. Exactly. It would be kind of awkward to jump into the Avengers and not talk about the first Avenger. Exactly. And this is also an interesting pick because... I have a uh, love-hate relationship with the MCU as of late. Yeah, which is kind of weird to me because I know you love Marvel and you love Captain America. He's up there. As well, I'm a, I'm a huge comic book guy. I've yeah. been reading comic books since I was a kid. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, you know, like the, the Marvel movies, I was very excited when they were coming out. Mm-hmm. And then we got, like, it just kept going and going and going. At this point, I'm just like, can these guys just miss once? Can we just get one bad Marvel movie so I know they're fallible? No, we can't. They it, all have to be amazing. It, I, I guess they have to, because if not, then they will bankrupt a whole like country. But yeah, so this movie here we have is Captain America, and I'm a, I was a big fan of the Captain America trilogy. Oh yeah, me too. This one is um, interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. this comes out in 2011, it's the last film before like the avengers comes out yeah. which comes out i think in 2012 right the, literally the year after yeah yeah and when this comes out though it is the lowest grossing marvel film mcu film it only beats out the incredible hulk and it, it makes no sense because it's such a great movie it's a great origin story and it it's also not only a great origin story it was a comeback film for the director joe johnston who, if people don't know who he is, you really should. Because he was the director of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Page Master, Jumanji. He worked on like the visual effects for Star Wars and Indiana Jones. He was also the character designer for Iron Giant. Basically, this guy is like... Amazing. Amazing and has a monopoly on a lot of parts of your childhood. And he stopped directing for like a long time until this came out and then it comes out it's a pretty okay hit pretty big yeah and with that we also have chris evans who up until that point was mostly known as johnny storm from the fantastic four movies yeah i saw that in the theater and oh that was a rough one yeah i think the biggest role he had since then was a a glorified cameo appearance in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, he was in that too. And he was in a bunch of early 2000, like teen comedy movies. Not another teen movie. I remember that one. Yeah. That was the first movie I ever saw Chris Evans in. No regrets. The same. I agree. But that's the the interesting thing about this movie. Because it comes out in 2011. It's not nearly as big as people think it is, but it sets up the biggest movie of like the decade. Yeah. But we got to talk about this one. I'm kind of excited about it. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start at the very beginning with the characters. With the characters. Okay. We got Captain America, mm-hmm. the epitome of a Norman Rockwell painting of wholesomeness. He is literally everything you want to be a superhero. And he's beautiful. Well, 
I mean, is that before or after he gets the six pack and grows like a foot and a half? That's just, you know, uh, the cherry on top of the, the Sunday. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Do you know about how they did that to Chris Evans? Yeah. Where they got the, um, like a stand in actor and they mm-hmm. like CGI'd his... his face onto the CG actor. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later we get the reveal where he's full Captain America, ripped, jacked, and he's, I don't know, six feet tall, probably mm-hmm. over that. But it was interesting. I-, I saw the behind the scenes making of that and just, you know, all the layers that it took to make skinny Steve Rogers mm-hmm. into Captain America that we know. It is kind of weird because this is a little early in that kind of technology. Yeah. Do you think it still holds up? Because there's a lot of like CG parts in this where there's like CGI backgrounds because they're mm-hmm. trying to recreate 1940s New York, 1940s Europe. Um, Europe and all this stuff. And I'm curious, do you think some of the effects still hold up? Some of them do. I mean, with Steve Rogers, before he becomes Captain America, you could tell just like with his face, it's kind of frozen on the body. It's a little photoshoppy, right? Like a you can you bit, can yeah. tell the camera is back an extra few steps, so you kind of got to look a little bit harder, yeah. but it's not that seamless. No, it's not that seamless. I mean, it was really good for the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just with time progressing and technology progressing... It would probably be more flawless now. It would just move and kind of mesh well now. But mm-hmm. for the time, I think it worked. And it, this movie also has a very um, heightened aesthetic and it visual feels style. Like, it feels like a comic book. Yeah, it, it does. It feels like a comic book, a cartoon. It feels... Everything is a little bit oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Everything has that little bit of fuzz to it. Kind of like you're, you're watching somebody's memory of something going mm-hmm. on. And it's really interesting because it's also so alien as to like actual world war ii movies i've seen i mean a a great example is this does not look at all like saving private ryan for example like the war sequences of this are very we're marketing this to kids guys like let's not have people's limbs blown off even for kind of a Disney movie, we this, still... This is so a Disney movie. Yeah, you know, we, we still get some kills. It's not like... Um... And, and Boo, being a horror person, is like, well, where? what's the body count here? I want Captain America to have a body count comparable to Jason Voorhees. Hey, that's, you know, an early question with the doctor that helps him become Captain America. He asks him, are you in this to kill Nazis? And he goes, no, I'm not in it to kill anybody. So we see the... I just don't like bullies. Exactly. So we see the integrity of Steve Rogers. Which... By the way, is the hokiest line in cinema history, and it is perfect for this movie. Because that was a lot of the critiques that um, critics and people had for this, was that it felt very hokey, it felt just so oddly wholesome, Mm -hmm. it had no real, like, grit to it or anything like that. Well, no, it was romanticizing the 40s and the war, so it didn't didn't feel hard and depressing it felt wholesome's a good word mm-hmm. it, it it felt very stylized first stylized of all. kind of like a fantasy world you know this is what we're kind of getting with it like an alternate universe of america in the 40s yeah and i i'm just i'm wondering about that because we have that heightened visual style we have that heightened story we have the very wholesomeness up up front like yeah. steve rogers as a character is a very 
you know, you know, drink your milk and say your prayers. You know, we're we're gonna get them, boys. It's a very, mm-hmm. you know, just good guy character. Yeah. And do you think that the film's objective of ver- leaning very hokey, all American, you know, aw shucks characterization affected its box office result? Do you think people are just a little too jaded and we're like, eh, we don't want. This no. guy. We want Robert Downey Jr. We want Iron Man tossing back scotch on the rocks and shooting missiles. No, I think maybe it was just they didn't want a period piece. Mm-hmm. And it, that period piece was important to set up what we would la- later have, you know, in modern times. So I think it's just people didn't want to see maybe a movie from the 40s, a superhero movie from the 40s. Maybe. When it's important to kind of lay down the groundwork of knowing how he becomes Captain America, how he meets Agent Carter, how Bucky Barnes, you know, gets introduced into the MCU. Because it Bucky is... becomes having, a, you know, a huge part in the MCU after this movie. Yeah, he becomes the Winter Soldier. And it is, it's strange because I feel that the Captain America franchise um, is the most consistent of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Because Iron Man, though... The first Iron Man movie is, you know, very, very good. Yeah. Iron Man 2 is not uh, a great movie. It's Iron not a great movie. I still enjoy watching it every now and then. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're watch, if you're doing the Marvel Marathon, yeah. you, you've seen the Marvel Marathon, right? Yeah. I and know. everybody makes the comment of Iron Man 2 is where you get up to take, take mm. a break. Yeah. There's a reason why it's Iron Man 2. But with the Captain America films, Captain America, First Avenger, Winter Soldier, Civil War... Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling those are considered, like, S-tier, S-tier films in the Marvel canon. Oh, yeah. You, you don't walk away from those. You you stick with those. Because mm-hmm. they're really pleasurable to watch. Mm-hmm. You really feel like you're emerged into the story. And you're just kind of part of his brigade of people that, you know, goes around with him saving the world. Yeah. And it, then it all, again, comes back down to our character steve rogers mm-hmm. and we like seeing this character be captain america and do yeah. things and it's kind of weird because captain america has now been um written out of the mcu yeah. and it has been the mantle's been picked up by falcon played by anthony mackie mm-hmm. i believe that's correct and it's kind of weird because chris evans has made a, a point that he was he liked being captain america but the amount of effort and work and how limiting it was to him in the rest of his career, he's like, I, I can't do this anymore. I know. And I wish, you know, maybe someday he'll come back. It would be great to see him as Captain America again. But uh, I wasn't too sure about someone else taking the reins after Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Mackie does such a good job as Captain America. Well, and... that actually leads me to an interesting question, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you finish. No, no, go for it. So, Anthony Mackie picking up the mantle of Captain America. Yeah. But he's not playing Steve Rogers. Do you think Chris Evans's performance is so good or so tight that it's like in the realm of Robert Downey Jr., where you cannot recast Iron Man? Or do you think that down the line, say like 10 years, yeah. where Chris Evans reasonably would be too old mm-hmm. to pick up the mantle of Captain America again, or Steve Rogers, as it were, do you think we would get a new Steve Rogers, like a new actor playing Steve Rogers? Probably. I mean, I know myself included, no one else wants to see Robert Downey Jr. not be Iron Man. We don't want to see someone come in 
and take over the reins. But I, I think he's gone on because I listened to an interview with Robert Downey Jr. not too long ago, and he's gone on record that apparently Marvel execs have like made it very clear that they won't recast the recast him as long as he's alive. Oh, that's that's good. Though. Yeah, that, from what I heard, this is again a second, a third hand account that yeah. I heard on a podcast. But it makes sense if Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Hey, there's no way you could recast the role of Iron Man without me. So just eh, wait till I die because I might want to come back to it later." Yeah, and it would be hard to see someone take over the reins. For me, I love Captain America. He's my favorite marvel character Mm -hmm. uh so when chris evans stopped and anthony mackie was you know picking up the mantle for this yeah i was a little on the fence because i'm I'm so used to seeing chris evans be steve rogers yeah i'm like how is this new captain america gonna feel is it gonna fit and anthony mackie's character of the falcon fits well in the mcu yeah he's you know very funny he's very relatable Mm -hmm. so seeing him pick up the torch it kind of makes sense, because when I was watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was thinking, well, why isn't Bucky going to be the new Captain America? Oh, okay. We can get into some comics lore real quick if you want, but there, there's there been many interpretations of Steve Rogers putting the mantle down and Bucky picking it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but very recently, I believe they made a, a new series called The Falcon and Captain America, or The New Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I read, and it was explicitly so they could make precedent that the Falcon would take the mantle of Captain America. It's been yeah. done before. I think the first instance of this was like in the, back in the seventies. Yeah, but it's it's never been a long running thing because it's always it's like the thing with um who picks up the mantle of Batman when yeah. Bruce Wayne goes, and everybody's like it's Dick Grayson. It's always Dick Grayson. Yeah, there's no there's no one else. And I'm like, but but guys, like there's there's other Robins. I'm like, no no, it's just Dick Grayson because that's yeah. the famous one. I think we need to pull it back to the first Avenger. All about time. But yeah, so... Because we could talk about comics and lore till the cows come home. Oh, God. I used to work in a comic book shop. That was literally my job. I know. We had many of those discussions at the shop. But yeah, so back to the, the point. Chris Evans. His performance in this film, in the first Avenger. Now, he was a known element up to that point. Mm-hmm. He had already played Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. movies. He did, you know, Not Another Teen Movie, which yeah. is probably more like his breakout role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in, granted, a, a very small role, but he was in um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World the year before. Oh, he was in that movie, was it Cell or The Cell Phone? Oh, yeah. He was also in Push, yeah. which was another one. So he was a known quantity at this point. Yeah. And he was consistently cast in kind of superhero-y roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, yeah, Push, Fantastic Four, and Scott Pilgrim, those are like superhero-y type movies. Yeah. And not a one of them did very well at the box office. No. I think Fantastic Four did the best, and that's not a, a high praise here. Mm-mm. Do you think it was a risk casting Chris Evans in this? No. No? Because even though those movies weren't, you know, blockbusters... And he was just, the best part of them. He was the best part. And, you know, seeing him get this stage to really perform, I mean, he takes on the ca- the character of Steve Rogers. He's no longer Chris Evans. He's Steve Rogers mm-hmm. in this movie. And it's flawless. You, you see him, and he is a born leader, and you want to follow him in the movie. Yeah. And that just goes to his performance, because mm-hmm. 
it's very interesting because he has to play he has to play kind of like two versions of Steve Rogers. Yeah. Where he granted he plays the insecure, scrawny, I'm the guy who's been picked on my whole life, but I never give up. Yeah. And then he plays the now that I have all this power, I'm I'm still trying to hold on to that, you know, innocence, that humility that I was the kid who got beat up and now I have the ability to beat anyone up, but I can't I'm better than that. And it's mm-hmm. a very interesting performance. It's, yeah. it's very nuanced. But it this is the thing about Steve Rogers. He's essentially perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. No. There's no there's no flaw. Mm-mm. He's not, you know, impulsive. He's not angry. He, there's no true flaw in his character. Mm-hmm. And the story, usually what goes on in a lot of stories, a character has a flaw or an obstacle or something with internally that they need to to cross to, yeah. you know, complete their arc. Do you think the story suffers with with Steve Rogers not having a an inherent flaw or some internal conflict that he's trying to fight against? Because no. the story's very broad strokes. It's very just big, bombastic points, things going on, and it's it's very good. It's a very good story. But do you do you, do you wish you saw a little bit more there in the writing? No, because we get the flaws towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the struggle of him not amounting to what the military needs and mm. not amounting to himself because his personal personality is bigger than his body type. He mm. is, you know, he is Captain America, but he's stuck in Steve Rogers body for the first like 15, 20 minutes of the film. Probably, no, I think it's more than that. It's probably close to like the first half hour, probably. So he's stuck and he's been stuck like that his whole life. And then we get to see him as Cap where he's just, I'm going to save the entire world. And it's not till later where he loses Bucky and then ultimately loses his life. Well, there's magic shit going on. There's magic stuff. But I think that's where we start to see uh, Steve dealing with obstacles in his life that he's not really going to get over for a while. Well, I understand that. But that's that's at the very end of the movie where, boom, now there's things that are wrong because... He crashes in, and then he wakes up, and he's now in the present day, Mm -hmm. and then we have the whole man-out-of-time story. Yeah. But that's something that's set up in the last five minutes, ten minutes of the movie, where up to that point, there's there's nothing to grab on to in terms of flaws. Granted, him as a character, I loved watching this, because Joe Johnson is a damn good director, and he knows how to direct, you know, these, these, like all-american all shucks you know whatever stories and it's just wonderful to follow it it's a it's a very well told story and a very good movie i just i was curious your thoughts on steve rogers as this flawless character if that detracted yeah and i know we get the flaws later on but another uh obstacle that he faces the whole movie is dealing with hydra yeah, with Red Skull. With Red uh, Skull. So, Josef Schmidt, uh, Schmidt. But that's really his struggle is getting to Red Skull the entire time to save the world. So it's not just, you know, pomp and frill. It's, you know, we're working our way through Europe trying mm. to get to him. Yeah, and... there, there's real, like, physical stakes in hand. It's just not an internal conflict. But I think, the uh, granted, the point of the movie is is that big adventure yeah. like we're we're going to you know punch hitler 200 mm-hmm. times we're going to we're going to save the day you know you know drink your milk 
say your prayers. You know, we're doing this. Uh, and donate your metal. Yes, get your oh, war bonds. Yes. Yeah. Which is, again, it's super hokey, but it's just wonderful. Like, they don't, like, this kind of a movie, I don't think they make this kind of a movie anymore. I think things no. are a little bit too cynical now. I, it might be a thing where the film is is hearkening back to a very different, like, film language and culture mm -hmm. going on than what was the norm in in 2011. Because the number one film, um, when the film came out, was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. It was the final Harry oh, Potter yeah. film. Yeah. So, and just saying, the Harry Potter films near the end got very... You know, darker, a little bit more... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of like the MCU. Kind of like the MCU. They got you know, a little bit more edge to it as they went on. Yeah. I mean, granted, the MCU is not... There's not really a lot of edgy grittiness to the MCU. No, but it's not like when the Avengers first came out and it was just amazing and the ending was so funny and cool mm -hmm. at, to what we get at Endgame Part 2 where... There wasn't a dry eye in the audience. Yeah, we got the ending of Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr.'s run as um, Iron Man. There was a lot of stuff there. Yeah. But do you think that that is why the movie might have had a, a poor performance when people watched it or poor reviews or responses? It felt like so old fashioned. I think so. That you're you're like. Because it feels so old-fashioned, right? Yeah, and I think that's probably what this is. You know, no one really wanted, like, an old-fashioned superhero movie. They wanted a modern superhero movie. and it's they, kind they wanted of... Iron Man. Yeah, and it's like, you can't tell the story of him in a modern setting without going back to where he's originally from. Or you can't tell this story with modern sensibilities. Yeah. I think that's why they got Joe Johnston for this, because... I mean, The Rocketeer is a prime example where mm -hmm. that is a very old-fashioned kind of movie. It is essentially a serials And it's story. a really good movie. It's I, I love The Rocketeer. That was one of the, the movies I watched as a kid that I tried. I rewatched later because mm -hmm. I, I do this every once in a while where I'll go back and watch movies from when I was a kid. Yeah. Just to see if they still hold up, right? Yeah. And I will admit there are a lot of them that do not hold up. I am sorry, Air Bud. They do not hold up. I saw Airbud in the theater. Oh my god! I don't think I was alive when they were probably being not. But probably Rocketeer, not. Rocketeer holds up. Rocketeer, Rocketeer is great. I need a Criterion release of the Rocketeer. But it's a very old-fashioned kind of movie, and this, again, is prime for a Joe Johnston kind of film because it's a very old-fashioned story going on. Because mm -hmm. I believe this is the only MCU film he directed, and it's the perfect one because it's the one that's set super like it, it's set in the 40s it's yeah. set in like bread and butter what he wants to be talking about mm. but yeah uh do you got any other little little things you want to talk about on this one because we got we talked a little bit about chris evans talked a little bit about um the director talked a little bit about the mcu as a whole do we want to actually tell people what the movie's about because i just realized we kind of glossed over that we one. we usually do that we don't really give a, a spiel about what the movie's actually about we kind of just jump in and just just start talking about yo yeah. there's these things going on but i think you should tell everybody what the movie's about well the movie at its heart what it what it's really about is this guy punching nazis and it's great 
So, uh, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, you have Steve Rogers, who is a guy who wants to go and, you know, serve his country, but he can't. He's got asthma. He's had scarlet fever. He yeah. just has a laundry list of ailments that he's faced in his lifetime. Yes. And with the help of a German scientist working for the U.S. government is like, I can give you the ability to serve your country with this super secret serum and steroids. And I'm going to you know, get, also hit you with some radiation. It'll be great. Don't worry. You're not going to be the Hulk. And then he does that. Steve Rogers then turns into, you know, Jack Superman mm -hmm. and goes on to, you know, beat all the Nazis in World War II. And this is against the Red Skull, yeah. played by Hugo Weaving, and who is using magic and Nazi power stuff to... And the Tesseract. Yes, that's the magic part I was talking about. Yes. I like how people are like, dude, it's it's the Tesseract. You have to be specific about this. I'm like, it's fucking magic. It's it literally is. Asgardian magic. It is, but it's the Tesseract. Oh, God. So they do, so they, he's using the Tesseract to make weapons of mass destruction, WMDs, you know, lack of evidence is not evidence of absence. Don't worry about it. And then Captain America does this globetrotting adventure around Europe to, to beat him. And then... To stop him from blowing up everything, he crashes him in the Arctic Ocean. That's basically the whole movie. And I think you forgot, you know, a pivotal part of that movie. Is it the love story? The love story with Agent Carter. Well, yeah, but I'm a dude. Like, I'm not here for the love story. I'm here for the Nazi punching. Wow, wow. Yeah, I know. How could you forget Cap's best gal? <sighs> Cap's best gal. But yeah, and it, it is a really cute love story that I think is wonderful because over the course of the cinematic mcu it actually pays off in endgame but do you think that the love story worked in this movie or that you, is interesting or are you just a guy you know, i want to see you know captain america guns and pang pang pew pew no not pang pang pew pew it's a uh, bing bang bing bong but um well, bang bang pew pew yeah yeah <laughs> But no, I thought the love story actually worked really well. I thought there's a they had really good chemistry on screen. Mm -hmm. The it is very interesting because Agent Carter does come off as a as a very cold er character, but the evolution of their relationship just is a really well told love story. It's mm -hmm. very good. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I mean, it's you know to go back to your wholesome argument, we mm -hmm. even get. Uh, like the the movie reels in the theaters where they they show what's going on with mm -hmm. the war, and they've got that great scene with Cap where he's out and he's you know pointing at the maps and he's got his compass out and he's got Peggy's picture yeah. in the compass and he just kind of snaps great, it shut. Great and... little piece of visual storytelling. Yeah, you know, there's... no words said, then no. we already know. There's just music going on, and you just without having them in the same scene together, you just feel that that love and that strain of them not being able to be together until we really get to see some strain after this movie ends yeah there you go so um boo do you got anything else you want to say about this or are you are you all tuckered out if you haven't seen captain america the first avenger highly recommend watching it i would also recommend it going on a streak here of boo's picks that i actually enjoy because she thinks surprising. I hate all of them. He does. I don't. But yeah, I really like this one. Would recommend it. Uh, 8 out of 10. Would watch again. I'm going to go 9 out of 10 because I'm a sucker for a love story. No, you're a sucker for Chris Evans' abs. 
It's up there. It's up there. But oh. speaking of heroes, I think we have another hero in our midst. We have the greatest hero coming up. This is my pick. And it's also the last pick of the month because no more cinematic heroes. We're going to be jumping into August soon. We will. And I have to let you know something. Yes. I, I like Marvel. Marvel is, you know, we're where I like to read some books, but DC, DC Comics, that's the real, real, the real heroes are. The greatest American hero. Wonder Woman, I know. Oh, please, please. Doesn't hold a candle to Superman, specifically Richard Donner's original Superman, starring Christopher Reeves, came out in 1979, I believe. Also has Gene Hackman in it. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the highest grossing superhero films pre-MCU. And it'll make you believe a man can fly. Also, um, R.I.P. Richard Donner. You you, you were just an recently passed. You were an amazing director. Yeah. And we're gonna watch uh, one of your greatest films. It really is a great film. I love Superman, and he was Superman for us before Henry Cavill. He is still Superman for me. The fuck you mean? Well, I'm... well, Christopher Reeves is not Richard Donner, but Christopher Reeves is still my Superman. They're both, for me. Yeah, okay, we're just going to go for the wrap-up. <laughs> so next week, we'll be watching uh, Superman. Yes, and I'm you, excited. Me too. And if you want to hang out, watch along, you can also check us out on our YouTube channel, In The Frame, where you can also watch me talking to my boy David about two movies every week on the Double Feature Picture Show. Boo, anything else you want to plug? Where else they could find us? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere where podcasts are streamed. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Film Club Podcast. And with that, see you next week at The Film Club. Peace.